Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast to help you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and... Hari. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. Becco didn't mess it up this time. I know. <laughs> I didn't say my name is Hari and Becco or Becco and Hari. I, I don't know what I said last time, but I did, I did mess it up. All right. This is episode 49. As you saw from the title, we're going to be talking about Lyft. Uh, it's been on the news for the, the big IPO that... It just had two weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago as of yep. you know recording today. So interesting company. I'm sure a lot of you have used it. I'm a big fan of it as a customer, uh, you know, and, and, and Uber as well. But let's well, see because the investors are subsidizing your rides. So, so let's let's uh, let's you know uncover exactly what they're doing underneath the hood. Yeah. So um, I think most people are you know looking at the title of the podcast value investor tv and then looking at why are we talking about lyft um and yeah sorry should we we talk about disclaimer real quick yeah yeah actually let's do that um so uh well at the end of this if you decide to buy lyft then you clearly didn't listen to what we were saying but um but that's not that's not our that's not our position to right but the uh you know what we talk about here is how to educate yourself on the the concepts that be, you know, drive value investing. So understanding businesses and understanding um, how the business translates into a, a value for a company. So we do that for education uh, and entertainment purposes. Um, our goal here is not to um, to tell you what to buy or sell. Um, our goal is to kind of educate you on how how to think about you know, these, these processes, and then you make your own decisions because we are not your financial advisor, nor do we know your specific financial situation. Yeah, that's great. All right, let's move into, um, yeah, our, our, our discussion of the day lift. Yeah. You were saying, so I I think the, the re what I wanted to really kind of highlight here is that when we're talking about a company like this, um, you know, uh, one of the things that was pointed out to, to, uh, to us, you know, uh, Yesterday we had our our normal value investor meetup um, here in town, and uh, someone made the comment that you know the first time you in- investigate a stock, you may spend hours and hours of research, and at the end of it you realize that you don't want to buy, right? <laughs> so why we investigate and learn about companies like this mm-hmm. is to understand you know how how different business models apply. Mm-hmm. I mean this is clearly a new business operating in a different space, you know, that's trying to change the way, you know, transportation works for people. Um, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. But you don't really know until, uh, until you, you, you know, pay attention to it. And I, I think the other part of this is it's very easy to be lazy and just read what the media gives you. Right. Yeah. And the media is not always right. Um, you know, as our president frequently says, uh, you know, talks about, you know whether or not they are right you have to make that judgment for yourself and the best way to is is to go to the source right so start with the data um and i was very surprised when i i read this because i, I frankly didn't understand why this company wouldn't be profitable right they're just an app right mm-hmm. and they sell an app to uh, yeah. to their their users and they and they write so let's let's actually talk about the business and then we'll we'll, yeah. we'll explain what kind of findings we had yeah but those are really good points uh just understanding exactly what they do lifting the cover you know that's the fundamental value investing 101 right? right going to the source so let's do that let's go down the checklist and again you know 
we've been we've been touting this and, and saying to you guys all along. If you don't have the checklist, and for for every podcast that we do in terms of analyzing companies, we follow our our own checklist, value investors checklist slash template. So if you don't have it, please uh, do reach out to us at info at valueinvestor.org, info at valueinvestor.org, or reach out to us on Twitter, Value Investor TV, at Value Investor TV, all one word. So let's go down the checklist here. The first question is, what does the company do? You should be able to answer this question in less than two sentences. So Hari, Lyft, what do they do? So I'm not going to describe it in the way that the rest of the world would describe it. I'm going to actually use the words that came out of their S1. So for those of you who uh, are unfamiliar with um, how this works, so Lyft just IPO'd. So IPO means that it's an initial public offering. We had a whole uh, podcast podcast about it. So if if you're not familiar, go back and kind of learn about that. Um, And so what they're required to present is um, a prospectus for potential investors to understand and that means that they have to do at least, you know, three years of financials if they have them, right? Most publicly traded companies have at least three years of operating history. Um, and so, and on top of that, they kind of give you a, like a roadshow of like, you know, they, they go around to try and get a bunch of people to buy in. I, I'm curious how many people actually read, you know, what they do uh, as part of that, you know, preparation and how many of them just said, just take my money, right? Yeah. Um, because it, you know, this was an oversubscribed IPO, meaning that lots of people bought in, and there wasn't enough shares to go around for all the people who were interested. Mm-hmm. So, so Lyft is a um, started in 2012, um, and they call themselves a peer-to-peer marketplace for on-demand ride sharing, mm-hmm. right? And so, I want you to remember that first part: peer-to-peer marketplace for on-demand ride sharing, because that's not what they do. Right, and it's it'll become very obvious when you start reading their financials. That's not what they do. Um, they aren't, um, you know, they talk about how much the average consumer, you know, spends on, you know, on this, and then saying that their big value proposition is that cars are only utilized five percent of the time. So their business is essentially: you have an app. I'm trying to go from point A to point B. I could call a taxi. I could take my own car, or I could call a lift on the application. So I, I, you know, say I'm here standing at this GPS location. Um, and then a a car will, you know, show up at my, you know, where I am, uh, somebody who is driving that will be, a, you know, has gone through the lift, you know, background check and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, um, there is a pre-negotiated fare for that because we know the distance when we start, um, the trip and, and then they take you there. Uh, and then you can leave a tip, and you know that's essentially how, yeah. how the, the business works. Yeah. Um, so unlike their competitor Uber, they do not offer a um, you know Uber does uh, other you know types of business. They have Uber Eats is probably the most commonly known one. Yep. Um, but uh, Lyft is calling themselves transportation as a service. So as as a result of that, they've bought a scooter and bike company. Yep. To offer on demand scooter and bike sharing yep. uh, what they call bride sharing bike sharing um well it's not really sharing you know um yeah. uh, what I, they're doing is go ahead no actually i just wanted to drop a comment on, on that one when, when i was in san francisco for a conference uh i actually uh was on one of these uh, lyft scooters uh-huh. as a customer right just as a customer it's very convenient you just open up an app 
and then you see a scooter down the street you just you know one of these scooters that are been kind of everywhere like lime right. as another one these you know big scooter companies lyft is jumping into the bandwagon and so they bought a whole bunch of um you know little scooters it's lying on the street you just walk up to it put your phone up, up there and then like scan and then put you know put some numbers into it and then boom you're ready to go and then once you're wherever you want to go you you go and then you just drop it on the street sure and i i've used uber i haven't used lyft but um i mean they're effectively the same thing yeah right? and it is convenient like yeah. you can you know you go out uh for a night on the town and you don't want to take a car with you because you're downtown you uber there and you uber back you know i've gone to many baseball games that way mm-hmm. um go astros and <laughs> i, I want to make sure that you know we're clear about this that just because a service is com- you know convenient right is not necessarily the you know like that's why we dig into this right mm-hmm. if we went in and said oh i, I use it lift all the time mm-hmm. right and that's the only you know, research i do it could turn out that the company hemorrhages money and you know so let's 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 talk yeah. a little bit more about that like how that business operates cuz sure. very much lots of people say it's very convenient and one of the things that they talk about is uh, you know they they say in this uh, prospectus that um demand will continue to grow as more people discover their convenience the experience and the affordability right so the idea is that you're going to use more and more rides over time because you know that car that you own has cost you you know people are spending $9500 on transportation a year if i just took a lift every day instead I would save money, right? Because I don't have to worry about my gas, you know. And then the other thing is they say is people are, and I've heard this parroted by very many media outlets, 5% of the uh, car is in use and 95% of the time it's just sitting in a parking lot. So so their idea is, well, then you can use us instead and then you don't have to worry about that 95%. Well, let's just, I mean, let's just think about this for two seconds, right? <laughs> Because that that is a really kind of silly statement, right, in a lot of ways. So, yes, my car is in use 5% of the time, right? So let's say I, we got rid of all cars and there was just Uber and Lyft, right, to get around, right? So that so that's the driver owns the car and they, they come and pick me up, right? So we all have to get around. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, there's plenty of people, you know, there's plenty of available cars, right? But at 7 a.m. and 5 p.m., it's rush hour. There aren't enough available cars, right? So the surge demands. There is a h- enormous amount of surge demand at certain times of the day, right? So your car is not in use, is only used five percent of the time. But what percentage of cars are in use between seven and five p.m. Right, and it's probably well over fifty percent, right? So that, you know, that kind of you know thinking is, you know, this is how they're, you know, telling you their business works, right? Um, and I, I find it interesting that they say this kind of stuff up front because, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of fluffy things that you can say in your business, right? But they've introduced this company and they've kind of already assumed that you know how, you know, how it works, right? So um, let's let's move on to the competitive advantage. And yeah. I'm going to kind of explain to you what they say in their words sure. is Lyft's competitive advantage because yeah. this is where I start getting, like, irritated because right? <laughs> I'm not... I'm usually irritated anyway, but m- more <laughs> That's so. true. Ladies and gentlemen, Hari's always there. <laughs> so so they have a they have a section called Why Lyft Wins, right? And so that's, 
you know, why, why, why should you invest? Why should you be part of this? Right. So why lift wins is that the first thing they says is they're a visionary founder led company, right? Okay, fine. Like, you know, I, I like founder led companies. That's, you know, a good thing, right? The founders in this case didn't have enough, um, control of the company so pre-ipo they actually changed the Pictures. structure of the business yeah. so that they owned all of the voting uh, yep. control um, which i don't like um culture and values authentic brand singular focus on transport right um driver centric and under di- driver centric they they cite that they have 24 7 support career coaching education resources car rentals so I want you to listen to that and then listen to what the first thing that comes out of their mouth when they talk about the business. Peer-to-peer marketplace for on-demand ride sharing. So if their business is peer-to-peer on-demand ride sharing, right? That's an app, right? This is I'm providing all of these services around this peer-to-peer ride sharing, right? Yeah, the entire infrastructure entire inf- infrastructure value chain to provide their their mission right so but i think what it is is it's it's disingenuous right the way that you're presenting your business right we're talking about being open and honest and truthful right i'm slamming this company for a lot of different reasons but i don't like companies that have i I want you to tell me up front what you do and be very clear about it right you're telling me in your um why lift wins you have these very soft metrics right that don't make any sense right visionary founder-led company with culture and values. I don't invest in culture and values. I invest in companies that are going to do something that provides value to their customer, that provides value to me as the investor, right? So nothing they've actually said here is providing value to the owners of the business, right? They have they have very soft kind of fluffy, yeah. t- you know, things that make them their yeah. competitive advantage. Yeah. Not, not to say that culture itself is not important. Culture is yeah. very important in companies, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Not to say that that's not important, but that's that is one of many things that you need to look at, and that shouldn't be the only thing that you say. Right, and I mean, like they are what they're clearly trying to do here is differentiate themselves from Uber. Right, Uber has a terrible reputation with, yeah, you know, um, sexual harassment and all of these other things that are in the, going on in their company. Yeah. So they're trying to differentiate themselves as we're the good guys. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now, I like good guys. I like to have my friends be good guys, right? But that's not how I invest, right? I invest in companies that do good by providing a service, right? By providing a service that creates value for their customers, they they do good for the, you know, you know, they good good for the world, right? So the other things that they say why Lyft wins, multimodal platform, data-driven personalized customizations, and so they're saying that we know when people are driving and that that kind of stuff so we can and then they're pioneering auto, auto autonomous vehicles right yep. so none of these things are one are a competitive advantage over uber honestly other than say their brand and their culture right they they have a differentiated culture uh, relative to uber but otherwise i i look at this and i say competitive advantage what competitive do it advantage do they have so is it a brand moat well, I mean, yeah, there's Uber and Lyft, but, um, yeah. you know, so th- can they differentiate themselves? Because at this point, we right. can't really, com- can't talk about a differentiation without talking about Uber, too, right? Yeah, for sure. So, I, yeah. so when you have the app, right, 
you have the choice of picking between Uber and Lyft, right? So what makes you pick Uber versus Lyft, right? And and the other side of it is, why do the drivers pick Uber versus Lyft? Yeah. And the truth is that drivers don't. Most they, of them drive for both. For both, yeah. And I then mean, they pick up whichever one has fares. Yeah. Like for for you know for something like for, for something like ride sharing platforms, right? It's a two sided market where you have to have the customers, the 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 users, but also the drivers to be on the platform as well, right? And so at least you you need some you know you need some stickiness on both ends. Right. But what we're seeing now with Lyft and, and Uber, I mean, I just took Uber or Lyft here. For me, I mean, I, the first thing I did in the morning was okay. Let me see which one's cheaper, right? Mm-hmm. If whatever is cheaper, I'm going to go with that, and then that's going to that's the same that's the same way for for uh, for drivers too. So whatever is paying me more or whatever has more customers, I'm going to go with that so over others. What you just said describes what kind of business? The commodity business, exactly. Yeah. So right, so there is no competitive advantage here, yeah. right? They have to compete on price. Price, but price is the only thing that's that could really that is the only differentiating factor factor between the two right because you're going to get to the same you're get literally in the same car uber versus lyft right you're just picking the one that gives you the better rate yeah right so the f- it, it, it has no advantage in that you know in that regard in that regard yeah i, I also want to i mean this is something that my friends told me and so one of our coworkers told me as well is i he said i like to i like to get on lyft more than uber because of the sexual harassment things i don't support I don't support the way Uber is conducting business. Sure. And I think it's a fair argument. I think more power to him. Right. But at the end of the day, if you look at the numbers, that's not enough. I mean, that's not the culture. I mean, you you say it, you said it, you said it well. The culture is a differentiating factor, but it is not enough to make a sizable dent in how they operate. Right. And I, I think, you know, we have about seven years of operating history. They were founded in 2012. So let's call it six. Um, to see that they have, you know, built up a business, we're going to look at their financials because I think that's where this story becomes a lot more interesting, yeah. right? But I mean, we've what we've kind of broken down for you right now is, you know, they they quote to the to you know in this you know that they're providing a value proposition for, uh, you know, for their, you know, their writers. You know, that they're going to, you know, you're going to use this service because they're providing you value, right? And so one of the things that, you know, we talked about in the meetup last night, which I thought was fascinating um, and was well written was, you know, the cost has to be less than the price and it has to be less than the value, right? So the value that you receive as the customer has to exceed the price that you're paying, right? Mm -hmm. But it also has to exceed the cost of providing that service, right? So that's where this is interesting because I think the value exceeds the price for most people, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, But the reason that it exceeds the the price is because the cost has been subsidized. Yeah, it's interesting. It's shuffled. I'm sorry, the price has been subsidized. The cost is is still what it is, right? And so when we, we talk about that, right, you have to think about this as they have to compete on price. They basically are competing... At a at a level that is being subsidized, so this is an arms race to see who can survive last longer. Yeah, last longer before you know they they um, you know have to go in and with another business. Yeah, right? it's, it, I think I think it's it's interesting that you point out in that in that terms, it's like a war, right? Whoever wins, whoever is the you know last man standing, kind of wins the battle. But 
if I think about that for a second, if let's say, for example, like Lyft went out of business and Uber just totally dominated right. them. Now, the question is, do they at that point, do you think they'll have the pricing power to elevate the price so that they can actually become profitable? You know what I mean? Well, and so, so like, that that's yeah. the thing is like their average ride is around 10 to $11, right? Based on their financials, it would sounds like they have to increase the price to about $15, $16, $17 per ride. Yeah. That's a little not, you know, less comfortable, right? Yeah. Like I'm willing to drop 10 bucks here, 10 bucks there to move around. When you start talking about 15 or $20, it becomes a lot more, you become a little more sensitive about, well, maybe I'll use public transportation yeah. or maybe I'll, you know. Just drive myself there. Doesn't mean it goes away, right? But then the value proposition is, I mean, it, the demand for this is very kind of, yeah. you, know, you know, how elastic is it? Yeah. Right? I also think that, you know, for example, if Lyft becomes a dominant player and they yeah. have that pricing power because they are, quote unquote, monopoly. Right. I don't think they can actually truly establish monopoly because another ride sharing app will just pop out and then they'll undercut them with price. Right. Or what what I think will happen is, I mean, there's, you know, the other side of this is there's taxis, there is, you know, public transportation, there's other things, right? You have the option of alternative goods, right? One of those is using public transportation. One of them is using your own car, right? So for me, I I take that to one of my um, contract you know jobs that I work. I would take Uber, um, especially when it was raining because I'd have a long walk in the you know in the outdoors. And my, you know, when I started, Uber was like seven or eight dollars to ride to the the place that I was going. And then what happened was they started raising the rates and it became like twelve, thirteen dollars. So it doubled. And then I have to use it going back. So it's like, well, I, it's, you know, it's almost 30 bucks, yeah. you know. And and what would happen is it, because it was raining, they would surge price. Mm. And then I was like, well, then it's not worth it anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so I'll just take an umbrella and, you know, suck it up. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I think people are very sensitive to this. Now, when you're, you know, inebriated, it may be a different story, right? Yeah. That you may like, whatever, uh, I'll throw money at this. Sure. But that's not how, n- I mean, that's not a... Like, is that a sustainable business, right, right is where I, I'm thinking. That right now, the, the the revenue is very high because a lot of people see a lot of value. Right? Yeah. But I, I think, you know, here in Houston, we had the rodeo. People would take Uber and Lyft in because they didn't want to pay $20 for parking. And then they would, um, taking it back, you know, Surge it would price. be 30 $40. Yeah. And people are like, you know, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of... You know, thing is, there's a very sensitive sensitivity yeah. to the price, to price yeah, right? Yeah. And that's why you're seeing, I'm willing to look at Uber versus Lyft to see which one is giving me yeah. the cheaper price, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's all about competitive advantage. And I think we've kind of dove in length to talk about the lack of competitive advantage with Uber ride or you know, ride sharing business altogether and Lyft in particular. So... Let's uh, let's move on to the next bullet point, which is, what is the company's long term perspectives and runway for growth? Maybe kind of shine some light on, perhaps what you think about the industry's like growth, the runway. So I, I think there's definitely a percentage of the population who are high highly um, interested in using yeah. you know Uber and Lyft. Yeah. Their their kind of you know thought process is. Um, you know, they mentioned that like 35% of their 
riders are not uh, owners of a car, yeah. right? So they're using this as a, a primary means of transportation. Yeah. And 52% of their people are using Lyft to go to work, yeah. right? So it's a convenience. It's a, you know, I'm doing this because I need to, you know, to get to work on time or, yep. you know, do that. Like, just like you're talking yeah. about right now, yeah. right? So I think there is a large runway for growth. I mean, yeah. I think they have, um, you know, they're in 95% of the U.S. cities, yep. right? And Canada. Uber is all over the world. They just U- bought Kareem, I think. That's what uh, it's called. Uh, Uber did. Yeah, Uber. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, Lyft though has um has has no has a lot of places it can go from here. Yeah, for right? sure. They're so, just domestic play, domestic North um, right North North America. Yeah. So if we say that the world has a need for transportation, I mean, I think there's there's definitely a uh you know they have the opportunity for sure. growth for sure. long term. Yeah. Um. Maybe this is a good good place to bring this up um uh, too. Yeah, uh, actually, I'll, I'll bring it up later. Uh, I think I think this uh, this topic is more fitting in the financial discussion. So we'll we'll, we'll uh, put that aside. Um, so let's let's move on to the next bullet point. Uh, what does the company does the company require a lot of capital and reinvestment to maintain its business? So I, I think uh, I don't think the answer is as clear cut as I would you know um, you know they're they're already and they say in ninety five percent of the u.s yeah so they kind of already have the um the the infrastructure built out but you know when we're talking about capital versus operating uh cash um when we start talking about the financials i think you're gonna see that they're not just a ride sharing app right they're providing a bunch of services around this thing that are actually fairly expensive right in order to achieve the level of customer service that they've set out for themselves they have to do a lot of things that are expensive. Yeah. And so I think what 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 we are going to see in the future is cuz I do think there is a path to profitability for them, but it's going to mean that their service is drastically different than it is today. Right? These culture of values and, you know, things the authentic brand that they talk about, that is going to have to go away because that they can't afford it in the long run, right? Yeah. Uh, I think you and I had this you and I had this conversation last night um I think it'll be interesting to kind of deep when we dig deep into the financials. It'll be really interesting to kind of see what they're really made of, yeah, number wise, and that what what that means for the business itself, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, any any outstanding issues with relationships with customers, suppliers, employees, regulators, things like that? Yeah. So I, I want to bring up. Um, there's a guy who um, uh, who. His name is uh he he posts on the blog Naked Capitalism, yeah, and he's talked a lot about Uber and Lyft. Um, he's a Hubert Horan is the guy's name who, you know, wrote a lot of these articles, and he's worth a Google to find it. And he's got like a it's like a ten fifteen part series. Can you uh, spell his name? Spell his name. H U B E R T, H O R A N, and the website is called Naked Capitalism. And it's a great read because he he actually kind of is this guy's a veteran of the transportation industry, and so he kind of talks about this um, well because one of the reasons that they've been so successful is that they have hit a lot of hidden costs for the their drivers, right? So we haven't talked a whole lot about the drivers yeah, yet. That's interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute, yeah. right? So let's say you you pick up your car, right? So we've talked about this uh, depreciation um, from a, on the balance sheet as a you know. How how that affects you yeah. know the the business right, um, 
So depreciation is basically using up an asset, right? So you buy a car. Uh, the moment you drive it off the lot, they always tell you it's worth less than when you you paid for, what you paid for it, right? Yep. But then every mile that you put on it, and every year that it goes, it's it's worth less, right? So what you're doing when you ride share with Uber and Lyft, right? You're a, a driver with one of these companies. You basically are, you know, depreciating your asset very quickly, the faster than somebody who's not doing that, yep. right? But what you're not so, but that depreciation is a non-cash expense, right? You don't see, see you don't see it right right yeah. up front. Yeah. Now you could, if you were like a, a financial business, what you would do is you would set aside a, a certain percentage of your uh, earnings as a depreciation expense, and then use that to buy a new car, right? But people don't think that way. And so what you see is a yeah. lot of people will drive Uber and Lyft, yeah. and then after six months they'll realize my God, I had a $2,000 car, you know, repair, you know, because I was driving the car so much. Yeah. Or I had, you know, I'm spending a lot of money on gas. I'm spending a lot of money on this. So yes, my take-home pay is, you know, it was $150 for the night. But then I also spent a bunch of money on gas. I, I spent, a, and yeah. then in the future, I'm going to have to spend money on. Yeah, that, that's the part that, that a lot of people are missing, the future part. Because yeah. I think people run on cash-based accounting. Right. right? <laughs> people don't run on accrual-based accounting. Correct. And that's, that's to a lot of people's detriment. Right. In, and in I, this case, specifically. Yeah, and I think your car will last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, right? So it's, it's, it may be you have a two-year-old car or a three-year-old car. You won't even notice. <clears throat> but then the car payment comes up. And you may not even be driving for Uber and Lyft, bef- you know, now, but you've basically wasted all of that, you know. Yeah. So, I, I you know, I feel like, and, and you know, the the irony of it is Uber and Lyft don't want old cars in their service, right? They want you to be driving the newest, latest, yeah. shiny thing, right? Well, that's where the depreciation expense is the highest, right? Because yeah. you get an older car, it depreciates less yeah. relative to the initial, you know, amount that you paid. Yeah. So... And they also, we'll talk about this more, but they also have like leasing service and things like that. So for example, if I want to drive for a Lyft and I don't have a car, I can just sign up with them and I can sign the whole lease with them, get a car and then drive all in one, you know, all with, within Lyft platform. So we'll we'll talk more about that in the financials, financials, um, part of the the podcast. Uh, any, so that's kind of the, that's kind of the checklist that we have for this episode 49 uh, do you have anything else that we want to talk about before we close this out and move on to financials and management and valuation? So, not really. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I, you know, I've been very harsh about this company. I'm not saying that they can't eventually turn a profit or something like that, but I just look at this business and I just see, you know, I, I, I'm I'm very skeptical, right? Every investment that you look at, you should be skeptical. I am more so skeptical because of kind of the way that I, they have presented themselves as this like sort of, you know, we're the Silicon Valley unicorn startup, you know, magic, you know, comes out of our horn and we're the greatest <laughs> thing that ever, you know, lived. And I'm like, it comes out of the horn. And I'm like, you know, you levitate, bro. It doesn't work. That <laughs> way. It doesn't work that way. Right. Uh, so, you guys have to prove it, right? Yeah. And I, what I'm seeing doesn't, you know, convince me. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I'm curious to see yeah. how their tone changes in the next, you know, in the annual reports and things like that. Yeah. Because it was very fluffy, right? Like, yeah. I don't know how, what else, what other term, you know, to use. 
Yeah, it's very frothy, fluffy. Yeah, Yeah. we'll see what happens. I mean, I think the the public market scrutiny is going to put a lot of pressure on the management, and we'll see how it goes from from here. But uh, that kind of closes out our first podcast, first episode of Lyft. Um, All right, so we'll see you you on the next one, episode 50. Uh, Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks. Thank you.